Life, whether you like it or not, happens to everyone. We don't get to choose our testimony, but we are called to share the journey. Hi, everybody. I'm BJ Foster, and this is Withholding Nothing, a podcast for the soul. Let's do this thing. In today's episode, you're going to meet Pat Dade, actress, writer, comedian. Pat will have us in stitches and in tears as she takes us along her journey from the approval in the applause of man to total acceptance and approval of God. I call this one God's Movie Star. Withholding Nothing, a podcast for the soul. All right, guys, today we have a great friend, Pat Jade. I'm so excited for y'all to get to know her and for myself to get to know her story just a little bit better. So, Pat, what's happening? Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for asking me to do this, BJ. It's a pleasure. It's so good to hear your voice. Okay, well, uh, yeah, my name is Pat. I am... uh, Originally from Washington, D.C., but I've been living in Los Angeles for almost a quarter of a century now, 25 years or so. Uh, Actually, it's like 24 and a half because after my first year out here, I was baptized and became a a Christian, a follower of Christ. And (laughs) I certainly don't regret that. Uh, It's definitely had an impact on my career. I'm a writer and Mm -hmm. I also teach and coach actors and writers. Um, and I also have a sort of a, an affinity for helping Christian writers because um, sometimes we feel a sense of needing more power in our writing. We kind of hold back. Um, right. And, uh, you know, in order to get that message across, it's you have to understand just the, the music of what you're working on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's kind of a, a personal thing I like to do. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> and she is very good at what she does. Let me just be, I'll be her fan and I'll just say that on her behalf. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but along along the way, because I, I realize the industry brings all sorts of challenges. So I'm sure during your quarter of a century uh, journey, you've stumbled upon a few things. So I'm just going to open it up and let you share with our audience really anything that God has been speaking to you or anything God has taken you through that we can all learn from. Okay. Well, um, I'll just kind of start with, um, I'll start with when I was uh, super young. I'm not going to take you through my entire life. Just a couple of little <laughs> things that, you know, were like little touchstones in life to sort of like created situations or paved the way for the things. Uh, as, as a kid, I knew there was something just very, very odd about me. <laughs> I, was, I was the one that's constantly going, look, look, look at me. And it wasn't like, look at me, I'm awesome. It's like, look at this really weird thing I'm doing, you know? <laughs> like, look, I can blow bubbles out of a straw in my nose and things like that. I just loved entertaining my family. I loved it when they laughed at me. And I, as I grew older, I realized that a lot of that desire for their laughter was a lot of desire for approval because there wasn't a whole lot of that being given out. Now you get a boo-boo and mommy kisses it and says, oh, you're going to be fine. It's like all of us little kids, we just desire that so much. But it wasn't a lot of that in my household growing up. It was a lot of like, mommy's busy, you know? And uh, so I I don't know. I just, 
the natural entertainer in me was just being sort of fostered at that time. And, you know, I just kind of figured, oh, God wants me to do weird stuff. Okay, we'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) And started off on that journey and, you know, through teens and young adulthood. And I actually wound up coming out to LA. I'm really going to put myself out there right now because I came to LA at the age of 39. Wow. Act because I'd spent so much time on the East Coast doing the little that I could do, you know, mm-hmm. the little that was available. Once in a while, I'd get on some network series that was being shot on the East Coast or something, but right. I really wanted to know what it felt like from out here. And I said, I'll do this for a year and I'll come back to DC. And I came out here and forgot to go back home. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after, I, it's so funny because I came out here in February of 96 at the age of 39, which makes me 63 now. So no one has to do the math. We're cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I came out here just to kind of see what it was like. And it was very scary and wonderful all at the same time. But what was brilliant was about nine months after I got here, I was met by someone who wanted to study the Bible with me. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, that's not why I came out here. But I do remember thinking, I kind of need this because friendships were very strange. The kind of things people were asking me to do as an actor and as a writer mm-hmm. were just kind of bumping up against me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very really lucky because when I was in a teen, um, I was around adults most of the time when I was like, 18 or 19 years old, when I started acting professionally, trying to anyway. And right. I was always around these grownups who were like 30 and up. And, you know, they were not always into the cleanest, coolest stuff. But I remember right. how, for whatever reason, God made sure I was protected through all of that. Mm. Um, whenever I would walk into the room, suddenly everybody's putting out whatever they're smoking, you know, or putting down whatever they're drinking or mm. stopping whatever they were doing because Pat walked in. And I never could understand. I felt like I was this big kid and no one thought I was grown enough to be around them. But as an adult now, I look back and I went, wow, God was really separating me from the crazy hmm. all these years, you know? Hmm. So I just thought I'd throw that in. But anyway, <laughs> I came out here and I the first thing I did, I, I was like, I was determined I was going to be a groundling. I wanted to be in the groundlings and I wanted to be this and I wanted to be that. I wanted to get on Saturday Night Live and go back east and shoot that in New York and then come back here and make movies. And I started booking things left and right. I booked a Michael Jackson movie, uh, short film. I got into uh, I got into the groundlings for a little bit. I was in the study right. company for a while and things just didn't feel the way they were supposed to, you know, the way I always imagined like mm. success should feel like. You know, and um, picked up a couple little roles in movies. I got a few recurring roles on a couple TV series. I remember I had to fly back to DC three or four times to shoot like five episodes of Homicide back when that was on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that was wonderful, but I was exhausted and I was lonely and just a little freaked out. I thought that that fame was supposed to make me happy. Mm-hmm. I really did. And mm-hmm. you know, on a certain level, there was some happiness, but for the most part, there was this feeling of, okay, so now what's next? Do you remember when we started out acting, BJ? There was something people used to tell us all the time you're only as good as your next role. Yes. Remember? And I that's- thought that was the coolest thing when I was young, but as I got older and realized, man, that's just like chasing your tail all the time. <laughs> you're never going to be happy or satisfied or feel like you've made an accomplishment. Right. With anything you're doing, because you're always chasing that next role. And I mm-hmm. understand that that's to keep you employed, but it also is just the way the world works sometimes when it just grinds people up right. and spits them out. You never feel like anything you do 
is enough. You've got to wait for that next great thing. And right. you never have time to sort of sit with yourself and just go, wow, look what God's given me, you know? It's the antithesis to gratitude, that mm-hmm. attitude, I think, you know? So, yeah. um, well, I'm way off track, but that just sort of, you know, sort of bumped into my head. I thought I'd share no, it. No, girl, there is no <laughs> option. Keep on talking. All right, well, um, so anyway, I'm running around and doing all these crazy things, and I go to a rehearsal one night for this uh, comedy improv troupe I'm working with, and one of the women who I've known for years invites me to church. I've been wondering where to go to church out in LA because you can throw a rock and hit some sort of building that has some sort of church going <laughs> on. New to, the, new to the area. Gosh, it's a whole new way of living for me. Right. Um, so I can't keep going from Del Taco to rehearsal back to Del Taco again to rehearsal. I've got to do something <laughs> else in my life. So I decide to go. And I think that was the first time I was truly, truly introduced to who God was, mm-hmm. which was amazing for me because I thought I knew him as a kid. And then after a series of misfortunate events <laughs> as a kid, I started to back away from God because I don't know, I didn't feel like I was protected. Right. I didn't feel like I was worthy. I didn't think like I was worth anything. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just we all have these things we go through. And the glory, the glory of that stuff is understanding how God is with us through it. Right. You know, um, we think that I thought, let me not say we, cause I can't speak for your, your listening audience. I can only speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I thought that having a relationship with God was going to mean suddenly the rocky road I was on was going to be completely paved <laughs> and the shoulders of every road I was going to ride on was going to have like perfectly colored flowers and palm trees. And like this, like I was going to leave into a magnificent mansion. And, right. you know, and then I could stand there and wave my hands strangely at my, 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 my devotees, my followers, my fans. And then, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, your phone gets cut off. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, that role you've been on a veil for, for three days, that, given to someone else who looked just like you, but wasn't you. Yes. You know, and, and you start to, the whole start, start getting punched into your worldview. And God took a fist and busted it straight through my worldview. And I was so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't seeing. I was, I was fantasizing. Mm. You know, I was wishing. Right. You know, and um, there is no star up there in the sky that's going to give you what you want um and that was kind of my way of surviving from childhood straight through to adulthood straight to 40 years old i mean Mm -hmm. everything was lucky this lucky shirt lucky colors lucky watch lucky lucky spoon i'm not Mm -hmm. kidding (laughs) you know all these things i was using to help me cope through just the normal ups and downs of life right and um and those things started to take a turn in a different direction when I started trying to understand a little bit more about who God was and who I am to him. Mm-hmm. That was the part that never got taught to me when I was like a little kid in Sunday school. The yes. who I am with mm-hmm. the whole part about, oh gosh, am I getting, I'm about to get emotional. Here I go. Okay. Just, it's, it, you know, it, it never resonated with me about God's love, because all I thought of was God's punishment. Right. You know, God taking care of you for doing something wrong, you know, taking care of your punishment. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember my mother always saying, you know, 
God's going to get you for that. God doesn't like ugly. You know, mm-hmm. she wasn't remotely into God. <laughs> but she must have seen them as the same way and passed those those that way of thinking down to me. I, I picked up that same pattern of belief that right. you know, God was sitting there waiting for me to make a big mistake so he could like drop the world on me and go, mm-hmm. how horrible you are. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, I remember the first time someone said to me while we were sitting down and reading the Bible together, she mentioned how much God loves me. And I'm like, show me where that is in here because I've never come across it. All I saw was Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the Garden of Eden for making one little silly mistake. You know, that was my <laughs> argument. <laughs> right, right. Oh, bless me. I was crazy and still am. Um, <laughs> But when I started to hear that, honestly, uh, BJ, I fought against the idea. I mm-hmm. was like, well, maybe some, maybe the people in the Bible he talks about yeah maybe he talks them right but heck, my own parents didn't even treat me like they love me so why would god, why would god? I mean, exactly you know if he created the universe and i'm not doing well in his universe then obviously i'm not on his radar and it was it was it was a long time sort of trying to to wash that mess out of my hair you right. know and i honestly you know even today those old thoughts come rolling back you know it's like an old mp3 player that kind of coughs up those old recordings from time to time and you know you just have to put things in perspective and put them back down and reach for the bible and you know and and pray like there's no tomorrow you know until all yep. of that crazy kind of goes away yeah but it really changed my perspective about what i wanted because before what i wanted was you see that I was worthwhile. That's why I wanted to be mm-hmm. an actor. I wanted to show them I was really good at what I did. And maybe in this one little way, I was better mm-hmm. than them. And that they should have treated me better. Right. And then I met God. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh boy, what, what a crazy, crazy roller coaster that was. And I'm so grateful that uh, he got me off of it. Because I don't think I would have made it till 63, yeah. in all honesty. And I don't think I would have had a chance to, you know, everyone says, well, I'll wait till I'm, you know, this age. I'll wait till later. I'll wait until another time to sort of look at who God is. I need to get my thing right. going, you know. And um, I'm just really grateful that even at 40, he was still pursuing mm-hmm. me. Never stopped. And he continues his pursuit and his wooing and all of that stuff that, you know, you don't. You don't read about it if you don't look between the lines of what you're reading, you know, about the Garden of Eden like I didn't. I'm like, oh, the Bible is racist and sexist and it has no bearing on now. And wow. No, that's awesome. I'm going to jump in because you're touching on so many incredible things. Uh, You know, like you said, we're all given a foundational start from our families. And I love my families, but families can give us a partial foundation. You know, or mm-hmm. they can come to us with what little bit they had. And then that just passes down from generation to generation to generation. You know, I'm not enough yeah. because, well, my mom didn't think I was enough or her mom didn't think she was enough. And for exactly. you to be able to really fight, to, and I'm sure it was a fight. So I'm just going to insert that to fight, to rise above that. Because so many of mm-hmm. us out here the battle is within us. It's in, it's inside of our heads. 
You know, yeah. you're not just battling, yeah. well, the Bible says this, but I'm not really clear. We're battling past references, uh, things that people have said, you know, things that should have been done that had not been done. So yeah. what did you do? I mean, I know you said you just had to really pour yourself in there and dig. But just for someone who's just square one, I am not worthy. I can't even open up a Bible because I've done so many horrible things. God would just smite me if I even attempted to touch the Bible. He doesn't even want me. What would you say to someone that's literally in that kind of a place? Well, I just got Terry again. <laughs> Terry oh. is okay. <laughs> you know, I, for about 16 years, I taught improvisation at Stella Adler Academy in Hollywood. I loved that job more than anything else I've, I've ever done in my entire mm. life. I met people from all over the place. But one of the things that I always had to encounter, and I'm so grateful I was able to do this as a disciple, you know, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, was that they, these other actors would come into my classroom broken in many ways like yes. I was. You know, their stories were their mm -hmm. stories. And their situations were their situations. But uh, hurt people can recognize another hurt yes. person. You know, there's a there, there's an aroma mm -hmm. to it. There's a scent. There's, um, I don't know, a vibration. I don't know what you want to call it. But um, I had this, God made, made me very sensitive to those who are also mm -hmm. hurt. And I remember listening to them saying the things they said about themselves and doing the things they were doing and saying, well, what if I fail? What if I'm terrible? What if I, they laugh at me for the wrong reasons? What right. if they do all these of terrible things? And I just said, well, what if you're wonderful? Hmm. What if you're good at this? Yes. What if they laugh at you for all the right reasons? What if they come to you as the expert? What if they say to you, this has changed me just watching you work? Right. Um, and watching the, the expression on their face turn around. Mm. Do you know what mm. I mean? Change from this being so down to like, hmm, I hadn't thought of it that right. way. And I think that's one of the things that the world does to us. It, it gets us thinking in this one mode. We run the same track like a groove on a record, all the way around and around and around, and around mm -hmm. again, until the record stops. You know, and we just play on that one thing and we beat ourselves up about that one thing yeah. or we castigate ourselves for that one thing. And then along comes someone else who said, you need to flip that record over. Mm -hmm. That's for all the people out there who understand what records are, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but for those who don't, just imagine rebooting, yeah. you know, yeah. we have to be rebooted. And I think that's most of the process we go through with God is having him reboot our brains after mm -hmm. so many years of you know um the world sort of like hitting us with the back of the truck and then rolling up and hitting us again and then rolling back up and hitting <laughs> us again right. you know until we are just emotionally physically uh spiritually smashed. yes and think that there's no help for us because help didn't come but help is mm -hmm. there help is mm -hmm. there we have to realize that when uh, when we need help, we just have to reach up. Right. Yeah. You know? I always and tell my I always tell the women here is that every your setup is an opportunity for you to look up. So Ooh, whatever yes. it is that we're dealing with, it's it's simply a setup from God, giving us the opportunity uh -huh. to look up. And uh, what I uh -huh. want as we go through this podcast, I want people to understand that they are not alone. I want them to understand yes. that in your darkest dark, God is there. You just have to look mm -hmm. for him. 
And if I can pay you back onto something you're saying, if you can, what was that you said about looking up? Yes, this is a setup for you to look up. It's a setup for you to look up. And if you can look up, you there can you get go. Woo, I love that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what up? <laughs> love that. Oh. Yeah, it's definitely a process. And I think a lot of people think that when they think about becoming religious, mm -hmm. you know, and I say that with my fingers doing the little rabbits yeah, so in the, the air, yeah, uh -huh. rabbit ears, um, I think they think that they're suddenly going to like lift off the floor about an inch and just glide, right. you know, and say things that sound holy, yeah. you know, and then they're completely untouchable and unrelatable and on everything else and now the the journey to god is a hard yeah, journey you that's know right. and you know and it's getting in there and digging in and taking out all the the garbage that has like chained and and hardened and you know metastasized enough that's right you know? And, you know and the beauty of it is that there's always help because there's always others who are looking into themselves and into others the same right. way. And, and if we do this right, if we do this right, if we don't do this the way, like, you know, I remember going to a church when I was a kid and I won't say the name of the church because it certainly can't be like that right. now. But um, I remember being, um, gosh, audience, but being like 13 or 14 years old and being a part of the kids ministry and having someone who was in authority over us uh, decide that um, they wanted to know me in a different mm -hmm. way. And that was uh, uh, horrifying and embarrassing mm. and humiliating. And, you know, I, I went fleeing and running from that place, not just physically, but also emotionally. Right. And, you know, thinking that, oh, God must really hate me because it surely. Mm -hmm. If I wasn't who I was, he wouldn't have done this. And, you know, I had no one to process with it too. And because I didn't trust my parents with this information, I never brought it to them. So I grew up with this thing festering in me about what is so wrong with me that this person would think this right. about me. That, you know, and it never occurred to me being 14. And, you know, at the time, I mean, we're talking, I was 14. So we're talking about the 70s or mm -hmm. whatever at this point. Um, the, the, the thinking wasn't, it's him, not you, <laughs> you know, the thinking wasn't, he was in authority and should have known better and should have stayed away. The thinking was, you know, you're the reason right. you're the, problem. what did I do? And you know, the only thing. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so when we grow up with that and we never have a chance to process that it sort of, it sort of sends, it sort of resonates throughout our entire yeah. life. It, it deals with the decisions we make. It deals with the choices we make. It deals with the things that we stay away from, you know. But what folks who haven't really sat down and, and dug into uh, the word yet or, you know, or at least talked about God rather than, you know, stones or, right. Right. you know, astrology and things of that nature, these things that are dead and really can't do anything for you. What they don't know is once you start to understand you have a God who mm -hmm. cares, that changes so much. Yeah. Um, it it suddenly makes you, and a lot of people say, well, where was God when that happened? I'm like, right mm -hmm. there. And you don't worry about it because God knows what mm -hmm. happened. You ain't getting away with that. Right. You know? Yeah. 
you know, I may not have been able to do anything to stop him. And there are things I could have done and didn't know better. You know, I didn't, didn't right. know better and didn't know what to do. And so I kept it silent my whole life. But honestly, it cast this horrible shadow yeah. on so much of my life and on my feelings about mm-hmm. God until I realized that what happened had nothing to do with what God wanted, but it had everything to do with God finally being able to get to the crux of that That's in my right. heart. Allowing me to like let go of the guilt and the self-recrimination for something that I didn't make happen. And for me to understand, like, no, this was never okay with right. him. And it was God who got me out of that yeah. room and got me running down the street. I made the decision to slam the door on mm-hmm. him. But he kept knocking. He kept knocking. He'd been knocking for until I was almost 40 yep. years old. So I go out to LA at 39 and I'm baptized by mm-hmm. 40. That's not bad. I was supposed to be a movie star by 40. <laughs> God said I want you to be my star. There you go. You're God's movie star. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Yeah, you know, I, I love everything you're saying because we do. We get, we're, we're horrible. The things that we do one to another. That's the world yeah. that we live yeah. in. But God, Yep. God is in the business of cleaning up messes, you know, and that's he what is. it is. He's going behind all of us. He's cleaning up messes. He's going before us too, but we just don't realize that until after the fact, mm-hmm. you know, but to look Absolutely. at it and go, God, you got me. I know you got me. Mm-hmm. I can look back now at the messes of my life and I can see how mm-hmm. you rescued me. You got me out of there. You allowed me to get yeah. myself out of here, slam the door. It's like his hand is in everything. It's up to Absolutely. us to actually find his hand. Because if we can see mm-hmm. his hand, we can make it through it. Yes. And you know, something I read, I can't, I can't, I can't attribute this quote to anyone. I can't remember the person's name, but I remember reading it and it had the greatest effect on my own situation. And it's like, if you can't trust God's hand, trust, trust his, his heart. heart. Absolutely. I, that one, I all the time. That. Absolutely. Yep. So if you can't trust his hand, just trust his heart. He knows what he knows what he's doing. He knows you. Yeah. He knows what you need. He'll get it to you. Yeah. <laughs> always always say God's real good at his job. He really doesn't need our help. <laughs> it's crazy. And you know that's so funny. We always think that if so if such and such happened to me, I don't think I can survive. I don't think I could live through it. Right. If all this stuff happened to me, I don't think I can make it. Well, I'm 63, so I must have survived a few things. Right. And so you understand that yes, trouble falls upon everybody. Yes. In this world, you will have trouble, said Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but the beauty of it is. Uh, we can survive it. We can survive it. Yeah. And, um, you know, we come back wiser, hopefully, you know, more knowledgeable about it. Right. Uh, we may be a little singed, but we are not consumed. That's right. And that's what I thank God for. It's like every rotten thing that, because there are some, there are some moments in life where I thought I was going to die. And most recently, just last August, I was experiencing these odd heart palpitations. And I thought, my goodness, I'm about to have a heart attack and die. I don't really want to do it this way, but okay, God. So I took myself to the ER and the whole time checking me and I'm there for three hours and they're going, there is nothing wrong with your heart. We've checked your x-rays. We checked your EKG. We checked your EEG. We checked all mm-hmm. these things and there were no red flags. And I went, well, then what's wrong with me? And she said, stress, darling. <laughs> 
And I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> that little <laughs> thing. <laughs> Somebody needs more time with the Lord. <laughs> so I'm really grateful that it was what it was um, rather than what I thought it was going to be and I think that was one of those moments where God just wanted to get me alone in that little ER room and just minister to my heart in a different way and just say you get so revved up Pat (laughs) you just need to calm down because look what it's doing Mm -hmm. to you So I don't know. Spend a little time with me. <laughs> well, girl, this has been awesome. I could go on all day listening and talking to you. <laughs> oh, we're done. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you yeah, so but much. Oh, but that was fun. <laughs> this has been so great. I just want to just recap a lot of what you said. You know, I love that you 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 say, you know, I grew up and I was a little odd. There was something odd about me, you know. You know, I was always, <laughs> I was being separated from the crazies. I was being set apart. And God is using yeah. it for such a time as this. You know, I always share with, the, with my, my, my audience here, we don't get to choose our testimony, but we are called to share the journey. So the testimony, what mm-hmm. you've lived through, what you've had to deal with, God didn't leave that up to you. He says this, when Pat Dade was born, this is what your life is going to be. This is going to be your experience. Share it with someone else. Help someone else through. Yeah. You know, you think about the scripture where it says uh, to Peter, Satan has has asked to sift you as weak but i have prayed for you peter not that you won't fail he said but your faith won't fail you so that you can reach back and help someone else and that's the beauty really i'm looking at everything that you've gone through your faith did not fail you and in that in today's talk as well as i'm sure all of your life you've been reaching back helping other people just by sharing your story so thank you girl i so appreciate you Thank you. I love you so much, my dear friend. And I just got to see you again soon. <laughs> Hopefully we'll we'll get through this COVID thing and we will see one another we'll soon. We'll make it happen. I love you, sweetie. Take care Indeed. of yourself. I love you too. Thank you You're so welcome. much. Whatever you find yourself faced with this week, my friends, remember, it is only a setup to get you to look up. And in the words of my friend, Pat Dade, if you can look up, you can also get up. Yes, we may be singed, but we are not consumed. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. I hope you've been enlightened and encouraged. I want to say thank you to my incredible guest this week and a special thanks to my music man, Mr. David Burnett Graham. Follow me on Instagram, everybody. And until next time, be on the lookout for the hand of God.